Well, Northside family, it's a joy to be with you this morning, especially to see those baptisms and celebrate all that God has done. And would you welcome everybody in our video venue and on our live stream right now? We always want to let them know how important they are to us. And uh, speaking of that, one of the things that we always are trying to make room for are more people. You know, our mission here is to connect unconnected people to Jesus Christ. That is why we exist. He has called us to be a part of something greater and bigger than ourselves, which is the greatest thing that we can be a part of is a life with Christ. And uh, in two weekends, we will celebrate what God did. It's our Easter weekend and that he not only sent Jesus to earth to be with us, but to save us. And that when we celebrate the resurrection on Easter, it's not just that God died for our sins. It's that he rose again to conquer to where we can live free from them with the power of his spirit. And I want to invite you uh, to Easter weekend. I want to let you know a couple of our services. We are adding services. This is in two weeks on April 19th on that Friday. We'll have a 7 p.m. service on Saturday, 4 and 6. And then we'll keep our normal services on Sunday morning. They're all identical. Uh, but this is the special ask for you at the 1130. You know, we know 945 and 1130 are two most popular services. And uh, we want to ask you to think about praying uh, that maybe for you, uh, you'll sacrifice your seat during the 1130 and uh, go to our video venue. If you're a long, and this is only if you're a long time Northsider, if you're still checking out church here, man, you're going, I don't know what this Jesus thing's all about. I want you to be in here. Or if you're bringing friends that weekend, we want you to be in here. But if you're a long time person of this church family, this is just one way for you to get a serve on Easter weekend. We're actually going to do live worship in the video venue. So just the sermon uh, will be on the screen. Uh, but we want to make as much room on Sunday morning as possible. We know that's uh, probably the most uh, popular time for people to come check out church. So if you're here, talk with your small group, your family, just about praying, about giving up that seat. Because we're going, hey, we want to make as much room as possible. And we know that's something that God is always growing us in. Matter of fact, that's why we're doing this series called Pulling Weeds. Uh, because there's things in us that God is wanting to remove from our life. He's wanting to, and the reason why he's wanting to remove stuff is because God wants to grow things in our life that are of him. Matter of fact, we, we started a couple weeks ago talking about how God wants to pull fear out of our heart. I read, I've been reading this book recently called The Way of the Warrior, and it's an incredible book. And this is what he said. He goes, the reason why in the scriptures in Proverbs chapter one, verse seven, it says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, because this is what he says, because whatever we fear is our master. Whatever you fear has mastery over your life. And what God is saying is this, I want you to fear me so you fear nothing else in this life. So that you can live a life that's going, I don't have to fear things, I don't have to worry about things. I know God is with me and so I'm going to fear him. And that word fear is not just to be afraid of God, it's to acknowledge, it's to worship. But we talked about how it's not just that God is wanting to pull fear out of our life, he's wanting to pull comparison out of our life. That too often times we run around or you just open Instagram or any social media and as soon as you see pictures, man, you just start comparing yourself. You go, man, their spring break's better than mine. You know, and God, why do you love them more than you love me? And all this other stuff, internal dialogue starts happening. And we lose the joy and the gift of Jesus when we compare ourselves. And last week we talked about judgment and how God is calling Christians away from judgment because it's so much easier to condemn people than it is to care for people. And Jesus himself said, I didn't come to condemn the world. I came to save the world. Too often times now people will get polled and they'll say, what's your thoughts about Christians? They'll ask people who aren't Christians. And this is coming up over and over again as the world is saying this, Christians are only known for what they're against, not what they're for. And too many times that is what's going on in us. We're just running around condemning and God is going, I want to pull those weeds out. I want you to have a heart for the world because I came to save 
the world. And today we're talking about how God wants to pull the grudges out of our life. It was fascinating. Yesterday, as I drove in, uh, I, would just, I got here and I just kind of checked the news real quick. And there was a video on there of after 19 years, Bobby Knight went back to Indiana University for his first time. And I went, isn't it fitting that on, when I'm talking about grudges, <laughs> the guy who's held a grudge for 19 years would decide to go back to the campus. Any of you realize, I don't know about you, but I'm starting to realize this time doesn't heal anything. It's weird. We think, hey, just give it a little bit of time. Give it a little bit of time. Kind of give some space from some people. Get away from some folks. And then when you go back and you see him, things will be good. I don't know about you, but if I give some space, if I don't allow God into the grudges of my life, I'll give some space and I might not see somebody for two years. And then as soon as I see him again, I'm like, I think I hate him more. I'm like, man, I've given myself two years. And I'm like, I'm like two feet worse into hate. And man, there's these things that come up into our life. And this is part of the problem. This is why God wants to deal with the grudges in our heart. And I don't know about you, but I have won 100% of the arguments that go on in my mind. I'm undefeated, <laughs> right? Like nobody has beat me. I have won every argument. I have every, like every coach that has cut me in junior high and high school, right? I'm like, well, you know what? I would be D1 if they wouldn't have cut me, you know? And, and here's why and this and that, you know, probably had nothing to do with the fact that I was five foot tall as a freshman and that's why I got cut. But every, I'm like, man, and, and I'm blaming them and here's why. And if they wouldn't have cut me, life would have been like this and da, 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 da. And I'm just tearing people apart in my mind. And it's fascinating how much our grudges seep into our minds. It seeps into all these things all around us. And oftentimes, here's the problem. When we blame other people and we constantly blame other people, we become the victim. And the only story of our life is a story about being a victim. Yeah, you know, I turned 37 this week, but I could have been a D1 athlete, you know. You're like, Nate, that was 20-something years ago. Let it go. And too often times those stories will hold these grudges and it will become this victim story and will hold that against people. And I could have been this and I could have been that, but they did this and da-da-da. And here's our problem. All we have a story to tell people is about how people did us wrong. We have no story to tell people of what God is doing in our life, what he's calling us to but oftentimes, it's not just that we'll blame people and become a victim. A lot of times when we're hurt by people, we don't know what to do. Sometimes we, we're paralyzed by the hurt. We don't blame people. We just go, man, I feel so much anger. I feel so much hurt. I don't know what to do with this. And this is why God's going, you got to let me have this because there's times that you and I get hurt in life and there is so much anger. There's so much rage inside of us. We don't know what to do with that. I remember one time that I got hurt by someone who I kind of even looked up to and man, they devastated me. And I was so angry. I didn't know what to do. I knew this. I couldn't go talk to him because, you know, I'd just blow up and I'd make things worse. And, and, and I'm going, oh, I, I can't go talk to him. I don't know what to do with this. And I remember I told him, it was another pastor I even told him. I was just started pouring my heart out. I said, you know, this happened and I'm so angry and da-da-da. And I'm talking about all the imaginary conversations I'm having about this person and da-da-da. And he just looked at me and he goes, you just got to get over it, man. Now I hate you, you know, I hated this guy. Now I hate you, you know. And I, to, I just got to warn you, that doesn't help anybody, does it? We say stuff like that, hey, just forgive and forget. Has, any, has anybody ever done that? Let bygones be bygones. What's a bygone? 
Just bygone be bygone. Too many times. And here's why I think we give that advice to people. Because we don't know what to do with the anger in our own heart. I'm going to tell you something to do with your own anger that I don't even do myself. And here's the problem with this. We end up feeling like we just have to live our life trying to either deny the hurt or stuff the hurt or go, I just got to manage the pain and I just got to get through life. And what ends up happening is we lose life when we do that. We lose life. I was talking to one of my buddies who uh, he just recently uh, had double bi- heart bypass surgery. He's only 40 years old, but, you know, because of hereditary stuff, he had to go get uh, uh, double heart bypass surgery. And uh, I said, how are you doing? He goes, I'm getting better. He said, it's the physical therapy that's killing me. And I said, uh, what, what do you mean? He goes, I think those people are trying to hurt me, you know. And, uh, but this is what he told me. He said, this is what I know. He said, when, when the nurses come in, he goes, they're making me do things and they're making me do stuff that they hurt me, but they hurt me for my good. Because what the nurses know is this, if I get stuck in my pain, I'm never going to get better. And so the nurses come in and they push me and they challenge me and they lean into my pain for my good. Can I just give you a little disclaimer today? God's going to lean into your pain today. But he's going to lean into your pain not to hurt you. He's going to lean into your pain today to help you. See, this is part of when we allow God to pull the weeds out of our hearts, especially the grudges. Man, it's hard to let grudges go. It's hard to let these things happen because it's sometimes so much easier to hate than it is to forgive. It's so much easier to hold on to that stuff. But God is saying, I want to lean into the pain. And even though it might be painful for a moment, and even though this sermon might be a little bit painful for you today, what you're going to find at the end of this is God is going, I might, it might feel like I'm hurting you, but I'm actually helping you. I'm actually beginning to pull out of you the things that you can't handle, and you don't need to just kind of deal with it and ignore it in your life. God is saying, I want to deal with the hurt that you carry around because you were never made to carry that hurt. You were never made to carry this emotional weight and what we call baggage through our life. God's going, that's not how I made you. That's not how I made the world. Matter of fact, there was a scripture that's helped me, but at first, man, it hurt me. And it's in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31, Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus. Because again, God is going to speak truth to us. And it might hurt it for a moment, but it is meant to help us. And Paul writes to the church, and listen what he says. They're dealing with all of these grudges in their life. And you know what I find is this. A lot of times there's been a few people who weren't Christians who hurt me. But you know who have hurt me the most in my life? Other Christians. And yet we're supposed to be the church with one another. No wonder the world looks at the church sometimes and go, I don't get you guys. You all hate each other. I don't want to join your church. God is going, I want to lean into the hurt. And Paul leans into the hurt of the church in Ephesus, and he leans into our hurt today. And listen to what he says to us in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31. He says, get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. 
What Paul is telling the church, he's going this, hey, you've got to pull the weeds of this bitterness that you carry around, just this dislike for people. He goes, you got to get rid of the bitterness. you got to get rid of the rage and the anger. And the reason why he's going in order is this. He goes, all this stuff starts building. He goes, if you're not careful, there was this bitterness in your heart that will turn into this rage. You might have been singing how great thou art this morning on the, on the way to church, you know, and here you are driving to church, singing hymns, and somebody, you know, somebody cuts you off, and you immediately go, how great you're not, you know, and you just kind of blow up in that moment. You call it road rage. Anybody ever, ever have a moment where somebody says something, they do something, and you just kind of pop your top, and then afterwards you go, where did that come from? <laughs> And God's going, you know, I, I know where that's coming from. You know where it's coming from? You got a bitterness in your heart you weren't even aware of. And that person might not have hurt you, but that person revealed the bitterness that was in you. And that bitterness turns into rage. And rage is in a moment. That's why Paul says, get rid of not just bitterness and rage, but anger. Anger hangs with people, doesn't it? It's not just a moment. We say stuff like this, I'm just an angry person. Or they're just angry. All the time, they're angry, and he says, here's what happens. If you're not careful, that anger will turn into brawling, and then it'll turn into slander, where we might say stuff like this. I mean, I didn't punch them, you know, but your Facebook comments about people, oh, sure, you didn't say their name, right? But man, the slander that comes out of us. And then he says, get rid of all this stuff along with every form of malice. I never really grew up knowing what that word malice means. But this word malice means this. Get rid of all the imaginary conversations that you're having about people. Nate, quit thinking about the freshman coach who cut you. Let it go, dude. Well, if he just could have done this, you know, if he could have. Uh, he's like, Paul's going, here's the deal. And here's why he's saying this. He's going, because if we're not careful, our grudges will consume all of us. It won't just be a moment of bitterness and a moment of rage. It'll consume your thoughts. It'll consume your heart. It will consume your relationships. It will consume everything about you. And Paul says, you got to get rid of it. The only problem is this. He goes on more and he says, not only do we need to get rid of it, he says, be kind and compassionate to one another. I'm going, God, I'm trying just to not, you know, say bad stuff about him. He goes, now you want me to be kind and compassionate? You all ever have a moment where you go to church on Sunday and you go, okay, tomorrow I'm going to walk into work. I know normally I hate my boss, but I'm going I'm to love him. I'm going to be kind and compassionate. I've gone to church, you know, and you walk in on Monday and you see that coworker, you see that boss, and the only thing that comes to your mind is, I want to slash their tires, you know, and... <laughs> And then you want to email me and you go, Nate, your sermon didn't work, buddy. Sorry, you know. And you go, man, Paul, you told me I got to get rid of this stuff. Now you told me I got to be kind and compassionate to one another. And then he goes on to say this in 32. He goes, not only do you need to be kind and compassionate, he goes, you need to forgive each other. You're like, Paul, I'm trying, man. I'm trying not just to slash their tires. Now you want me to forgive them? And this is one of the verses, man, it is hard for me. It hurts. I don't want to be kind. I don't want to be compassionate. I don't want to forgive. Feels kind of good to hold grudges. But listen to how Paul finishes. He says, get rid of all this stuff. Be kind and compassionate, forgiving each other. And then he lowers the boom. Just as in Christ, God forgave who? You. See, the reason why this passage hurts so much is because I read it out of order. 
All the time growing up, I thought God just wanted me to go around and get rid of this stuff, to pull the weeds out of my own life, to get rid of hating people, to get rid of these thoughts. And I'm going, God, I try, I try. God, I'm going to try. Okay, Monday, I'm going to try harder. I'm going to try twice as hard as I did last week, and I fail twice as bad. And then I feel ashamed of myself, and I'm trying to live up to this stuff. And all these things are all out of order. And did you realize that Paul says this? He is never asking you and I to get rid of stuff in our life first. If you're taking notes, this is what Paul's telling us in this passage. Even though it hurts us to read it, what he's saying is this. Your feelings follow fact. Too many times we go into our work and we go, I just don't feel it, man. I just don't feel compassion towards people. I don't feel like forgiving them. Matter of fact, I've talked to a buddy one time, and he was talking about a grudge he was having. And I said, well, have you forgiven them? And he goes, yeah, I've forgiven them. It's just that. And I'm like, sounds like you haven't forgiven them, man. <laughs> and we say that, yeah, yeah, I've forgiven them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we don't know what to do with the grudges, and we don't know what to do with the pain. And what Paul is saying here is this. He goes, you don't need to start forgiving once you feel it. He said, what you need to start with is not your feelings. You need to start with the fact that God is calling you to forgive out of, out of the forgiveness that he has given you. See, the beauty of God is this. He never calls you to do something he hasn't done for you. Too often times, I think God is calling me to do things on my own. Nate, you need to step up. Nate, you need to do this. You need to be kind and compassionate. No, no, no. What I'm learning more and more about God is this. He's going, no, Nate, all you need to focus more is on me and my kindness and my compassion and my grace and my forgiveness for you. So when people hurt you because you won't have the capacity to forgive them, but my grace and my forgiveness for you will allow you to forgive others because, Nate, you don't have what it takes to let other people people off the hook. The only thing I have what it takes is to keep people on the hook. And Jesus says, Nate, through the cross, I let you off the hook. See, this is a different way for you and I to live. And here's the fact that you might want to write this down about Jesus. Jesus deals with sin so that we don't have to take revenge. See, too often times, I only let grace be about me and God and about my mistakes and God forgiving me through Christ for me. And he goes, Nate, grace is for that, but grace is also for you to forgive those who have hurt you. It's not just about grace for me and God. It is about Christ's grace for me to forgive those around me who have hurt me. And here's the thing. Some of you are going, no, it's not really. I don't really have a bunch of grudges in my life. And if that's where you are today, man, I, I'm so thankful that you're there in that spot, that you're doing good. But a lot of times, this is what I find when people go, no, I don't really have a grudge against anybody. When I begin to hear more of the story, this is the grudge that I hear people have. It might not, that, might not be that they have a grudge against someone else, but they hold a grudge against themselves. We say stuff like this, I know God's forgiven me. I just can't forgive who? Myself. And you don't even know it, but a lot of times you're holding a grudge not against somebody else. You're holding a grudge against yourself. And God is going, no, I want to pull the weeds, not just about the grudges that you hold against somebody else. I want to pull the weeds out of your heart about the grudges that you hold against yourself. Because here's what begins to happen. If you don't let that happen, your ideas about yourself, Nate, you're worthless. You start coming up with all the malice in your own mind. You're condemning yourself. See, I told you you wouldn't get that promotion. See, this, boom, boom. And we just beat ourselves up. And God is going, no, I have not called you to live from feelings. I've called you to live from the fact 
that you are forgiven through Christ. See, we bring our feelings to Christ, and out of that forgiveness, we begin to live. But I don't know about you. There's been some people who have hurt me, and uh, it, it seems weird, but I'm like, man, it's been like 10, 15 years. God, shouldn't I kind of be beyond it? You know, do I have to keep forgiving them? Anybody ever ask that question? Just me? Okay, good. You know, and, uh, you know, a lot of times I'm like, God, you know, I, I thought I'd be over this by now. God, do I have to keep forgiving them? That was a long time ago. That was my last place of work. You know, that was my last marriage. That was this last thing. Do I have to keep forgiving them? Matter of fact, Peter asked this question of Jesus because Jesus was talking about forgiving your brother when they sin against you. And Peter comes up to him in Matthew chapter 18, verse 21. He starts addressing that with Jesus. And it says, then Peter came to Jesus and ask, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Go and give me a box here, Jesus. When can I stop forgiving people? Because it'd be so much easier to just hold a grudge. Listen to what Jesus tells him. Or Peter goes on to say, up to seven times, Jesus, he tries to act more spiritual. Seven times? You know, that's a lot. You know, most of us, we don't even make it to one, maybe two Peter goes seven times, Lord, like, hey, that's a big spiritual answer. And I love Jesus' response. Jesus answered, I tell you not seven times, but 77 times. Okay, you know, and it's like, that's a lot. Two things Jesus is trying to tell Peter right here. He's going, forgiveness isn't about a few times. Forgiveness, when we become followers of Christ, is a way of life. What he's saying in that number 77 was one, it's more than you think and it is unlimited. It's also saying this, I didn't realize this until this week when I was doing some more study, I was reading a commentary and it talked about when Jesus said 77, he was also pointing back to Genesis chapter four. See, when Cain and Abel, the first grudge that's recorded in the Bible Cain was the older brother of Abel, and he got jealous of Abel, and, and God came to Cain and he said, listen, Cain, your heart is starting to grow bitter he was trying to pull the weeds out of Cain's heart. He goes, listen, if you're not careful, sin wants to devour you. Cain, I'm telling you, Satan is at your, at your heart. He's at knocking on the door. He goes, your bitterness, it's going to turn to rage. It's going to turn to anger. It's going to turn to brawling. It's coming. You better start dealing with it. I want you to let me deal with this. Cain wouldn't listen to God. And if you know the story of what happened, Cain does premeditative murder. He takes his brother out to the field. Let's go work the field. And he kills him in the field. And then in the midst of his shame, he's like, what have I done? And he hides. And God comes to him and he says, here's your punishment, man. And Cain goes, I, I can't handle that. I, I can't handle the punishment you're going to give me. And listen to what God tells him in Genesis chapter 4, verse 15. He says this to him. It said, but the Lord said to him, to Cain, because he goes, I can't handle it. He goes, not so. He says, if anyone kills Cain, he will suffer vengeance seven times over. God is telling Cain, you don't need to worry about somebody coming and killing you because if they do, they'll suffer seven times the consequence. Well, Cain's great-great-grandson, Lamech, listen what he says. He grows up in this family of origin, of grudges and all these things going on. In verse 23, it says, Lamech said to his wives, Adah and Zillah, listen to me, wives of Lamech, hear my words. I have killed a man for wounding me, a young man for injuring me. If Cain is avenged seven times, then Lamech 77 times. And what Lamech is saying here is this, I will destroy anybody 
who comes up against me, not seven times over, 77 times. What Jesus is saying here is this, I'm putting an end to revenge. I'm putting an end to revenge. It's not just about you and I forgiving people unlimited amount. What he's saying is, I have come to give you a new way to live. Because the more that your heart and my heart is full of grudges and hate and anger, the less we get to live in love of God. And Jesus is saying, it is through my forgiveness that you will walk forward. And here's what I know, that, that, that we see this even in our own culture, that grudges get passed on down the family, don't they? This gets passed on down from Cain to Lamech. What we hear of two families that we know of in our area, the Hatfields and the who? The McCoys. Last night after service, you know, I've talked about the Hatfields and the McCoys. You know, they had a grudge for 125 years. It went into different generations. Even in 2000, they took each other to court over an entrance into a cemetery. You just want to get them all together and go get over it, you know, and, and then they'll pull out a gun. And I'm like, whoa, you know. Yeah. And literally last night after service, a lady came up to me. She goes, I'm a Hatfield. I'm like, whoa. <laughs> she goes, no. She goes, I'm just messing with you. She goes, it, it, it's sad though, isn't it? She goes, it's sad that a grudge had to go on that long. And it's sad when family members only hear from other family members about how they hate other family members. But that's real, isn't it? See, this is the power of grudges. It's not just about your grudge. It's about our grudges get passed on to families taking notes, you might want to write this down. We'll either seek to wound people. We'll either seek to wound people or we'll let Jesus' wounds heal us. We're either going to seek to wound people or we're going to let the wounds of Jesus heal us. Us. This is where Jesus goes with Peter. He tells him not just seven times, but 77 times. And he goes on to tell him this parable. He says, therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. He starts telling the story. He says, and as he began to settle the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. Jesus says there was this king and these servants, they owed him a bunch of money. He said this one guy owed him 10,000 talents, which in the Roman world, that was the highest number possible. It was the highest number. Jesus was making a statement. This is a huge amount of money. Matter of fact, I was trying to wrap my mind around. I went, who owes somebody the largest amount of money I've ever heard of? And this guy's face came to my mind. I have a picture. Anybody remember him? Who is that? Bernie Madoff. You know how much Bernie Madoff owed people after 20 years? $65 billion. Now, you and I, we probably can't comprehend $65 billion, can we? But it's real, and he owed it. And what Jesus is trying to get Peter's attention and your attention and my attention in this story is he's going, there's this servant who owed a king $65 billion. That's how much he owed him. And since he was not able to pay, imagine that. Nobody had $65 billion laying around. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had to be sold to repay the debt. You go, yeah, that's fair, man. You owe the man $65 billion. He can liquidate your family and everything you have. 
and it won't even touch $65 billion. And then listen what happened. Verse 26, the servant fell on his knees before him, the king. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. Yeah, right. Then it said the servant's master took pity on him, and he canceled the debt and let him go. You ever had somebody cancel a debt that you owed? Maybe for some of you in this room, you can only imagine if somebody came up and were to pay your student loans. You're like, oh, now we're talking, you know. Might even do a lap around the auditorium on that, right? We know that feeling. Oh, that debt is gone. For some of you, what if somebody came up and said, I'm going to pay off your house. You wouldn't know what to do. This is what Jesus is trying to do. He's trying to get the attention to go. This servant's master took pity on him and canceled the debt and let him. You know what he's trying to tell you and I? This is what Christ has done for us. That our debt was like $65 billion. Our sin was like that. And we could try as much as we want. We're not going to work off $65 billion. And God looks at us and he takes pity on us and he says, oh, I'm going to cancel your debt. And he gives us Christ so that we can live free. But listen to what happens, verse 28. We know how we would walk around if we owed that big of a debt. Man, we would be hugging and kissing everybody. Woohoo! You know, all this other stuff. Verse 28. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii, which was like 20 bucks. And he grabbed him and began to choke him. And you're like, wait a second, dude, you were just forgiven $65 billion and now you're choking somebody over 20 bucks? Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. And his fellow servant fell to his knees and begged, be patient with me and I will pay you back. Same thing that that servant said. But he refused Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. Now, we look at this and we go, wait a second. That, that, that doesn't add up, man. You were just set free. Why are you going to choke somebody out over $20? Verse 31, when the other servants saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed and they went and told their master everything that had happened. Isn't it funny how God always finds out about our feelings in our heart? It's like, God, how'd you know that I hated that person? He's like, oh, somebody texted me. No, you know. <laughs> God's going, I know what's going on in your heart. I know the hate. I know the bitterness. I know the rage. I know the anger that you carry. Uh, I know the hurt. I know the hurt. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all of that debt of yours because you begged me to. And listen what Jesus says. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? Jesus isn't asking you and I to forgive people out of our ability. Jesus is saying, would you forgive people out of the mercy and the forgiveness that I've given you? That's a different type of forgiveness, isn't it? Because for some of us, you and I, we go, I don't want to forgive. I don't have the capability to forgive. And God goes, I know. 
That's why I had mercy on you. But the mercy I had on you, will you give it to others? Jesus finishes this by saying this. He said, in anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all that he owed. Jesus wraps up by this. He says, and this is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your what? From your heart. Jesus says, this is how God's going to treat us if he has been generous and gracious to us. And he says, and if we're not generous and gracious to others, he goes, this is how God's going to treat you. He has been so generous and good. I remember one time when I was a kid, I was probably about uh, maybe uh, six or seven years old. My sister and I, we started bickering, which isn't, you know, unusual. And we would fight all the time. And I remember there was one time where, you know, I had done my sister wrong. And my mom came and talked to me and she said, say you're sorry. You know, and I said, you know, being the people pleaser, I said, Rachel, I'm sorry. And my sister immediately said, he doesn't mean it. He doesn't mean it. I said, I'm sorry. I am so sorry. He's lying. He doesn't mean it. He's call- she's calling me out. Mommy doesn't mean it. Well, her and mom, they start bickering. They start getting into it with each other and all this other stuff. He's just saying what you want to hear. And I remember my mom, I was dad laughing. She goes, you ought to try it. You know, and, and what she was telling Rachel, was like, just, I, you know, sometimes as a parent, you're like, you ought to just tell me what I want to hear. But deep down, my sister knew this in me. You're just saying what mom wants to hear. And you don't mean it. And God isn't asking you and I to walk around and forgive people and go, I, I, you know, I've forgiven them. It's just that. He's going, no, I really, I really want you and your heart to be set free. If you have that card in your cup holder on your armchair, I want you to take it out. This is where the physical therapy is going to get a little bit more real for us. There's a book, they, we sold out of it in the Resource Center last night. It's called Enemies of the Heart. It's a book that has helped me deal with the grudges and the hurts of my life. It's by a guy named Andy Stanley, one of my favorite pastors and authors. We're going to order some more, so they'll be here next weekend if you want to pick one of those up. But in his book, he gives us a way to deal with grudges because have you found this out? You'll always encounter hurt throughout life. Like there's never a moment in your life where you go, okay, nobody else is going to hurt me for the rest of my life. All right. You go, man, they hurt me and I didn't see it coming. And in this book, Andy lines out these four steps, not just to do one time, because forgiveness isn't about one time, it's about 77. It's about this ongoing physical therapy that our heart and our soul needs to do. And this was so helpful for me, and I'm going to give you here a moment to walk through this. Because God's going, today, I want to begin to do some therapy in your heart. And it's not going to be that after you fill out this card, you're going to have a brand new heart, you know. Come down to Northside, and for $49.95, you'll have a brand new heart, you know, and everything's back to normal. That's not the way it works with God. But God is telling you this morning, he's saying, I want to lean into your pain. Because if I leave you stuck here, it's not going to help. And even though as you might fill out this card this morning, it might hurt 
It's going to hurt for your good. There's four things on this card. The first one is this. In this book, Andy says we need to take a moment if we're going to begin this process of forgiving and letting people go as Christ has forgiven us and let us off the hook. He goes, we need to do the discipline of writing down the name of the person who hurt us. A lot of times we want to live in denial. We want to blank it out. We want to act like it didn't happen. And he goes, no, the master knew the servant who hurt him, and the servant knew who the fellow servant was that owed him. We know who hurt us. And we need to be able to just to write that down. But then he goes on to say this. We also need to write down, I thought this was interesting, what is it that they owe us? I remember a couple of years ago when I got hurt by somebody I looked up to. I, didn't, I got blindsided by it. Attacked my character, said all this stuff about me. I was like, whoa. I was going through this process myself. And I had to write that person's name down. And this is what I wrote down. I went, man, this person just owes me an apology. He owes me some respect. I don't know what it is for you. Maybe somebody owes you your purity back. See, it's going to hurt. But we got to identify what they owe us. And then here's what we got to do. We got to take that hurt and let Jesus cancel the debt. We don't have what it takes to let people off the hook. Only the cross, that forgiveness, changes our lives. And then Andy says this, I found this fascinating, I've had to do this in my own life. We're gonna have to dismiss the case over and over again. I remember when somebody hurt me one time, I would see people who would drive a car like their car, and as soon as I saw it on the highway, rage would come into my heart. And I was like, God, I thought I forgave him. He goes, I know, you gotta dismiss the case today, Nate. See, this therapy, this physical therapy, forgiveness isn't this one-time thing, it is God growing us pulling the weeds out of our heart, going, your heart was never made to carry this, and let me heal your heart. And here's what we're going to do. I'm going to give you a moment right now to fill this card out, and then I'm going to pray for us, and I'm going to invite you. We've got nails and hammer and pieces of board all across the front. We have crosses on the side. We even have fire pits outside for you to simply say, Jesus, I'm going to let you cancel the debt. Who is it that's hurt you? What do they owe you? And let Jesus cancel the debt. Right now, go ahead and fill these cards out. And then I'll come back and pray for us.
Sounds like God might want you to stay inside and cancel the debt today. <laughs> That's why we had these options, right? It'd be so cool to burn. I'll be honest, I even, last services, I had a card. I even forgot a card, but I'm still participating. I'm writing it down. I'm going to hammer this down. Here's what you need to know today. Whether you got a grudge with somebody else or you got a grudge with yourself, Paul says, forgive one another just as in Christ. God forgave you. Let me pray and then we'll let Jesus cancel the dead. Jesus, we thank you that your mercies are new every morning, that you help us to carry the hurts that we were never made to carry. And Father, we pray for the ability, your power, your spirit to take control. We know that you are more than capable. So Jesus, we give you control. Help us to let go of these grudges, not by our ability, but by your grace and mercy. Thank you, Jesus, that you lead us to a place that frees our heart from this sin and pain. And it's all because of your cross, Jesus. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Let Jesus cancel some debts today. God bless you guys.